Well, good morning, everyone. And I think it's uh, appropriate to say uh, Merry Christmas now that we're uh, getting closer and closer to the date. It kind of scares me as I think about how we are getting closer and closer to the date and uh, all the things that are still on the list of things to do. And uh, I don't know if you're you're like me and, and that um, you're a procrastinator. Is that the word that we use for people who put things off to the last minute when it comes to getting things ready for the season, you know? Um, yeah, I'm one of those. And so uh, things ramp up. And and I was it was interesting. Last night I was at a Christmas party, and there were people around, a lot of people who aren't church people, and, and they were saying that uh, the season seems to be overly stressful. This is people who are, again, not believers, saying things are overly stressful. And it was, it was kind of interesting because we, we were sharing with them and no children were present at this party. It was an adult party and we got to share about how we tell our kids the truth about Santa. And, uh, and, and, and a lot of parents are like, oh, you tell your kids that there's no Santa? I'm like, kind of explain, well, yeah, we don't want to kind of do this bait and switch that Santa's not real, but God is real. We just want the truth to be out at the beginning. I even got in trouble from the teachers next door here at the school where they said, we, we don't care that you tell Julia, this was when Julia was in kindergarten, we don't care that you don't tell Julia that Santa's not real, but please tell Julia not to tell all the other children because it's still special for them. Anyways, so we had this conversation with these parents and, and we're telling them this en- encounter that we've had with our kids and how we want to just be honest with them about the tooth fairy and about, uh, about Santa Claus and tell them, but but God is real. God is real. And so, so Amy Beth was sharing and she said, you know, some parents would come up to Joel and he'd be so confused when he was like uh, four years old because we'd be telling him the truth. And, and then like grown adults, like you people would go up to him. I'm not saying you've done this and you can do it to Joel now. It doesn't matter. He's 12. But you'd go up to him and be like, aren't you so excited for Santa to come? He'd be like, Mom just told me he ain't coming. <laughs> What's going on? And, uh, and so Amy Beth's explaining this at this Christmas party, and, and the answer that Amy Beth gave to Joel to tell these uh, older people, you know, like it'd be in the mall or it'd be, you know, just grocery store or whatever, was to tell these adults, well, Jesus is the reason for the season. It's Jesus' birthday. And you know what? There's no one who's going to fight a four-year-old on that, right? And, I, and so Amy Beth and I, here we get to tell these adults at a Christmas party last night the same truth. Like, and of course, they're not arguing with us either. And at the same time, they're saying, hey, we're all stressed out because of this materialistic holiday that we've created where we got to go around and do all this shopping and we got to do all these events and, and our lives are so full and we feel like it's overwhelming. We don't even like Christmas. And I'm like, you don't like Christmas? I love Christmas. But then I remember, why do I actually love Christmas? And I told some of these people at the party, listen, I preach regularly to my church during the Christmas season. And I'm sure you've heard me say this. We need to be intentional about these words that we put on the wall. Deborah's done a good job telling our children that, even if one day we're saying, sorry about this, this is our fault, we don't communicate clearly sometimes. One day we're talking about love, another day we're talking about peace, and then another day we're talking about hope. But that's all right. Guess what? You're going to get them all in there, Deborah, and they'll hear about love, joy, hope, and peace. It doesn't matter the order. 
But here's the reality. We teach these things and the world is longing for them. They're saying, I don't have peace. Where is this peace coming from? Today I'm going to read um, from the story of Luke chapter 2. And as I was reflecting on this this week, and I thought, Jesus came to people who were not preoccupied with the things of the world. We sang it several times here today about the shepherds, and the word, I, the, the word lowly comes up. Lowly shepherds. Lowly manger. We don't use that word very often anymore, I thought, as we were singing this morning. You're looking lowly today. <laughs> we don't, that's not a compliment. That's not something we would say that to one another. It's an older form of language, right? But the reality is the authors of these hymns chose that word lowly, lowly shepherds, lowly manger, to, signif- to make the term lowly is to highlight the fact that Jesus came humbly. We can understand that word, right? To live in humility, to humble yourself. Jesus came for the humble. And when I compare the things that are happening in the world around the Christmas season, and, I, and, and when I compare to what we are trying to do as a church to be countercultural to that, and sometimes we even get swept up in it, as the ladies were decorating uh, a, a week and a half ago, I remember saying, it's okay that it's not too much. It's okay that it's simple. And easy. It's okay that it doesn't take us all afternoon to do this. We can spend an hour here and an hour there to get things around. I think they did a great job, by the way. And I'm happy with simple because I think when we stay humble, when we stay simple, we're, if we just go overboard in everything, we miss the point of what, why Jesus came. Jesus came to show us another way, a countercultural way, to different types of people. Not just people who get swept up in the culture. So we're going to read about the shepherds today because these were the lowly people who God decided to show up to on Christmas night. Luke chapter 2, verse 8, it says, And there were shepherds living in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. I want you to contemplate what it means to be a shepherd. Uh, Friends of ours have gotten a dog recently, and someone said, you know, your house is going to start smelling like a dog now, and and you won't even know that your house smells like a dog because you're just going to get used to it, and other people will come in. and, And I thought about that, and I thought, I got two dogs. We just got a we just got a cat. People probably come in our house and think it smells like a barnyard in here. And we got chickens outside. And I think of the shepherds and I think they lived out in the fields. They lived with their flocks. Like they had to keep off the wolves. You know, there's a reason why the scriptures talk about wolves in sheep's clothing because they literally had to defend their flocks from the predators, from the animals. They took turns 
watching over their herds. Now, if you've ever been a farmer, like I have, you know, now we have all of these things that protect animals, like electric fences and uh, but before that, you know, they'd use a donkey or, or, or a mule or some kind of tough animal to keep the predators away. And you would have a risk of a, an animal coming after your herds. But in these days, the shepherds themselves would stay up to watch their flocks. They were tired, working class men and women. So when, when the writers of some of these hymns choose to use the term lowly shepherds, it's because, yeah, maybe they smelled a little bit like their animals. Yeah, maybe they were hardworking and tired people, and maybe their, their body language came into church on Sunday, I mean Saturday, because they would go to synagogue on Saturday, where they were a little, you know, tired. You know, you ever walk into church feeling tired? You're like, I don't know if I should go. I might look a little tired today. People are going to read this on my face. It's okay. It's okay to come into church humbly where you're at. We, we, we joke with people when we were in Cloyne, people come in their rubber boots. There's a guy who got saved. His nickname was Johnny Rubber Boots because they're the only pair of shoes he had. John, and guess what? That guy got saved because he was humble and he came in seeking the Lord. These shepherds, to me, represent who Jesus came for. Because the scriptures tell us that if we humble ourselves, God will exalt us. You want to make it to heaven? You want to know Jesus? You want to know eternal life? And for those of you who have given your heart to Jesus, and I'm looking around the room and I think I'm preaching to the saints, I think I'm preaching to the choir here, I think you can remember the day where you had to humble yourself and say, I actually need something that is outside of myself. I need something greater than myself. I am a sinner in need of a savior. And when I think about these shepherds, I think they would probably be the simple people who would be willing to admit their needs. And I think in our culture today, we elevate pride. We elevate the self and self-confidence. And yet Jesus came as a baby in a manger and God chose the shepherds to be the ones who get to hear the announcement first. Verse 9 says, An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of God shone around them, and they were terrified. These lights here kind of, for me, feel like that sometimes, and when Susie turns them on, it's quite bright in here. And, and, and I could just imagine, though, it being so bright. I don't, have you guys ever had an experience? Maybe this is unique to me, but I remember having an experience where in prayer um, I was almost not passed out. I was fully conscious, fully aware of what was going around on me, but I was so in deep in prayer with my eyes closed. It felt not like darkness with my eyes closed, but a bright light, like a whiteout. And rather than a blackout, I feel like I experienced a whiteout. And all I could think about was how sweet the name of Jesus was. And honestly, I was so in prayer, I couldn't pray about anything other than saying the name of Jesus. This was an experience I had once in church. So when I read a passage like this, and the heavens shone, and the glory of the Lord appeared, all I can think of my personal encounter when that happened to me, and it was like, 
All I could say was Jesus. All there was was white, and it felt glorious. And God chose to give these shepherds this experience, and they were terrified. Now, I, in my experience, there was a little bit of terror as well. Like, is this real? Like, what's going on? Can I still move my body, or am I paralyzed? And I check, and I'm, no, I think I'm still able to move my body in this experience. And um, if you've ever had such an experience, it is a little bit terrifying, but it is glorious. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people today. In the town of David, a savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. I really enjoyed the reading this morning by Jan and her family, and, and, and it really highlighted that the Savior was born to us. He's our Savior. We get to claim him as our own. So imagine these shepherds, they hear this news, and, and an angel shows up and says, to you a Savior has born. They're like, to us? Lowly shepherds, I'm out here watching my sheep and heaven is opening up and the glory of God is showing up to, I'm not a priest. Remember last week we were looking at the story of Zechariah in the temple. He's a priest. He's the one who goes into the Holy Holies. He experiences God, um, an angel of God in the temple where you would expect it to happen. Listen, church. God can show up wherever, whenever, however he pleases. I mean, we love lighting the candles. We love the prayer altars. We love the, the hymns and the singing. And we love having us all gather here together. But my hope is this, is that God will meet people wherever they are at. Whether it be at a Christmas party last night with a whole bunch of unbelievers who are drinking beer pastor felt like Jesus last night a little bit, right? Like hanging out with people, you know, but they need Jesus just as much as we at one point in our life humbled ourselves to recognize we needed Jesus. And I'll be honest, sometimes as even as a pastor who creates this Christian circle, you know, like COVID, we called them the bubble, right? You had your bubble who you can interact with and who you can act, interact with. And sometimes I feel like, ah, I want to reach the world. I, want, I know Jesus. people need Jesus everywhere. The shepherds needed Jesus. They were on the holy hill. They were on the hillside far away. They weren't in the temple and God went to them. And sometimes we need to get outside of our bubble out to the people. And I'll be honest, sometimes I feel like where pride creeps in and I think, yeah, but when I'm out with them and they're talking this way and they're drinking that thing and they're acting that way, I don't feel as godly myself and the reality is who greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world they need Jesus just as much as I need Jesus who am I to judge them Jesus was a man who hung out with sinners and they called him a sinner even though he was without sin I, I challenge you to wrestle with these things as I was even wrestling with them myself last night. And honestly, as I was wrestling with them and Amy Beth and I, there was a moment, we're at a Christmas party and we were talking about gift giving and I started talking about the love languages. Do you guys know about the love languages? So that's like a Christian author talking about how we give and receive love. 
And Amy Beth, I didn't realize this because I was facing one side of the room like this, but apparently as I'm talking about the love languages, the whole other side of the room stopped talking and started listening to me talk about the love languages. This is a party full of like 15 adults who are all just now listening to Amy Beth and I talk about the love languages. God will do some weird things sometimes to create opportunity for us to share the glory of God. And I was thinking as we left that party and Amy Beth said, hey, everybody else was listening to you. It was a really strange time in that party. I thought, I thought about this message. I thought about how important it is for God to show up in these moments to everyone. No matter where they're at. Because to us, a savior has been born. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloth and lying in a manger. Now, this is the fun part. Suddenly, a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angels, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace to those whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's Go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So here are these shepherds doing, doing their daily task, doing their staying up at late at night, pulling an all-nighter late shift. For those of you who sometimes have to work late shifts, you maybe you can think about this as you're pulling a late shift. Maybe God will show up to you on a late shift. And boom, the, the heavens open and they're praising God, and they're singing to God, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. And as we were talking about this morning and some of the readings and Deborah's talking to the kids about, about what it means to love each other, the fact that God loves us Love is so connected to that peace. To me, when we're talking about these different things we put up on the wall and we talk about during Christmas, love, joy, peace, hope, they're all interconnected. You can't have one without the other. The peace comes from knowing we're loved. When I'm struggling to have peace, you know what the simple thing that I can get out of that struggle of not having peace? I'll tell you, it's a miracle answer for anytime you're struggling to have peace. You just remember this. You remember coming to church as a child, if you're someone who came to a church as a child, or you can remember this moment. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Now, now let that just wash over you. And if you go back to when you're a child, or if you weren't a child and you didn't hear that when you're a child, and you remember this moment where I'm telling you, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Think about that. Let that wash over you. And I guarantee you, you will experience some level of peace. And the more it washes over you, the more you accept it within your heart, the more you trust in knowing who the Savior is and how much he actually loves you and how he died on a cross for you, that peace will come more and more. And the things, we sing about this, and the things of earth will slowly fade away. And so when the angels show up, they're saying peace on, on those whom his favor rests. 
The favor comes with knowing that you are loved by him. That's what favor is. Knowing that someone has favor, right? You're, you're their favorite. I know I'm Amy Beth's favorite man. She married me. She promised that I would be her favorite man. She promised. I, I hold true to that promise that I am her favorite man. That she loves me more than any other man. I am her favorite. I have her favor. So who has God's favor? Those whom the God, that God loves. Those who God has chosen. Those who have responded to that choice of being chosen and have returned the love to God and said, yes, I'll receive that gift. I mean, I, I, I love thinking about gift giving on Christmas because we received the greatest love of, uh, gift of all, and that's the love of Jesus. We unwrap that gift every day of our lives. That's how we receive his favor. That's how we receive his peace. We are his favorite. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. When you receive the love of God, when you are humbled by the glory of God, no matter if you're a shepherd on a hill or you're a businessman downtown Ottawa, when God shows up in your life, it causes you to want to seek him further. It causes you to want to go another step further. So for them, for these shepherds, it caused them to want to leave their flocks. I, I, I don't imagine them taking their herd to, to the manger. Maybe they did, maybe they didn't. We'd have to revisit history when we're all in heaven and ask the Lord, hey, did the shepherds go with their flocks? I don't think so. So I imagine them leaving their, their flocks there, going to Bethlehem, it caused them to change their course of directions, very similarly to how when Jesus told uh, the disciples to come and follow me and I will make you fishers of men. They dropped their nets. They were willing to change the course of direction in their life. When Jesus shows up and he ministers to us and we see the glory of God, there are changes that start taking place in our lives. There are steps that we can take that are different than the course that we would take before. And so these men and women left to go to Bethlehem, they sought the Lord deeper. And, and church, I want to say, if you've been a Christian even for, for, for longer than, than 20, 40, 60 years, there is not a day that you shouldn't stop pursuing Jesus and keep going after him and seeking him like the shepherds did. And sometimes we need fresh encounters. Like, like I was talking about this experience I had where it was kind of like a white out caused me to seek God further. And now that was, I can tell you, that was probably, I think I was like 17 and I'm 37. So that was like 20 years ago for me. But I'm telling you, I want that same experience over and over again. Because what did it do? It caused me to want to seek him further. The same way the, the, the shepherds here experience angels and hear about the glory of God and tell her, hear about the Savior in the manger, they seek Jesus out in the manger. And so my prayer for you is maybe if you haven't had an experience in a while and you know you need to seek Jesus further, that you would have a similar experience where, where God shows up in your life and you're like, I need to seek him further. So they go. 
let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off. They went quickly and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in a manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told about them, about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things they have heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. I love verse 17 because it tells us when they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told to them about this child. These are what I would think were the first evangelists, human evangelists, who would go around spreading the word of Jesus. Not to say that there aren't evangelists in the Old Testament. The Old Testament prophets prophesied the coming of Jesus, uh, the prophet Isaiah. They talked about the coming of Jesus. But once Jesus was born, this is, this is the first group of people who got to carry the good news that Jesus Christ was born, that the Messiah had come. So you think about that for a second. The shepherds were the first evangelists to spread the good news. Some of you say, oh, well, pastor, I don't know if you told me this, but I'm just saying, I, I can imagine people telling me, pastor, my gift is not evangelism. You can show up at a party and you can talk about Jesus, but I really struggle to share Jesus. And I'm going to say to you, if the shepherds had an experience where they sought out Jesus, found Jesus, experienced Jesus, and they were so overjoyed that they couldn't help but share about Jesus, I don't think you need a special gifting to share about Jesus. You need just a fresh encounter with Jesus. And, and I also love this verse 19 where it says, Mary pondered all these things in her heart. Uh, Mary had to wait another 30 years before Jesus started his earthly ministry. And she held all of this good news herself in her heart because she knew it wasn't her time to start speaking what she needed to say. And it's interesting because some of you are like, well, I don't know if I have anything to say. I don't know. Well, just wait for the right opportunity. We know 30 years later, Mary was giving an opportunity. So if you said, well, I haven't, I, I experienced Jesus 20 years ago or 30 or 40 years ago, and I, I don't share Jesus very often. Well, maybe you're like Mary and you have to wait 30 years before you finally have the opportunity. And for Mary, it came at a wedding feast, right? So there's a wedding feast happening. They run out of wine. And she's like, I know how we can fix this. He hasn't been showing that he's the Messiah yet. He can show up right now. I'm going to go get that Jesus. And the Bible, the Bible kind of alludes to the fact that Jesus wasn't really even ready to start sharing that he's the Messiah. He was kind of holding back. And Mary was this one who pushed Jesus to say, go ahead, start, start your, your, your earthly ministry. And he turned the water into wine at this wedding feast. And, and so when I read this passage here where Mary's pondering these things in her heart, could you imagine where God's done something in her heart when she had this now man who was a boy 30 years ago? And she's just been storing up all this thoughts and emotions and finally it comes out. And church, I have a craving for that for us as a church. That we, we know how good it is to taste and know that the Lord is good. 
I just hope that you and me and us together just sometimes just can't help but just let it out. I'll be honest with you. Last night, I didn't go to a Christmas party wanting to talk about the love languages or about how Joel, we taught Joel to tell people that Jesus is the reason for the season. But when I find, I couldn't, when we can't hold this in and we share, I'm telling you, when we're talking about peace, I left that party with complete peace because I had the opportunity to share about Jesus. And you guys know me. I've been telling you this often. Pray for me with, um, with, with, like, we're at Joel's Hockey and Julia's Hockey and we're meeting all these parents. Pray for these people because they're interested. They keep saying, they keep saying, Pastor, we want to come hear you preach. Well, they don't call me pastor. They say, Thomas, you guys call me pastor. They don't call me pastor. They say, Thomas, we want to come hear you preach. And I say, well, the doors are open. Come on in. So I keep praying, keep praying. And I hope, my hope is that you have people in your life who are similar. who say, oh, it's Christmas. Maybe I should come to church. Pray that God would touch their hearts. And it's not just about coming to church. It's doing what the shepherds did here in the story. They left what they were doing to seek the Lord. And even in our culture today, even though our culture has drifted from the Lord, people still know that coming to church requires them seeking God. Right? And so here's this Christmas season. We have um, a beautiful dessert night uh, planned for Saturday. We have a Christmas Eve service the week following. There's opportunity for us to pray people into the kingdom of God. Uh, it's a special season for me when I think of some of my friends in this church. Hartley and Melissa showed up at the Christmas party for the first time, and that's where we met them. And I know I say this almost every year, but I'm just so glad that they got fooled into thinking there was a, something different happening here that they weren't expecting, and they stuck around ever since. But that's God. God does those things. And we want to see God continually do those things and bring the good news to the lowly shepherds of our world today. Amen? Let us pray. Father, we know that you offer peace to all those who have your favor. And the amazing, strange, weird thing is that you offer favor to everyone. Everyone is your favorite. You love us all because we're all created in the image of God. And yet some people reject your favor and, and, and therefore they reject your peace. But Lord, we know people in our lives right now. I think of people here who have children and grandchildren, people who have friends and neighbors, co-workers. And Lord, they don't have peace. They're missing peace. And we see how you reached the lowly shepherds and you were willing to extend it to the humble. Lord, we pray that you would humble these people who we're praying for, that they would see that peace is there for them. They don't need to get caught up in the busyness of the season. They don't need to get caught up with the materialistic worldview that this world offers. They could come and find rest and find peace in the Savior's arms. And Lord, I first and foremost thank you that we here know how to experience your peace. You've, you've, you've lavished your love upon us. 
And so even when people's bodies are failing them, even when they, they're, they're, they're sick or they're having financial trouble or, or, or the chaos of this world does consume them, there is something special about just knowing you, Jesus, and that your favor rests upon us despite what's happening in the world. Everything around us can be like uh, a storm that's raging, and yet you calm the waters within us. And we thank you for that. Do it again, Lord. If there's anyone struggling with peace here today, Lord, calm the waters, bring still waters, bring peace into their lives with the words just that you simply love them, Jesus, that Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so, would bring them comfort, would bring them peace here today. And Lord, as we seek you for your peace, we pray that we would be like the shepherds and experience also that love and joy and have the desire to spread that good news. Would it be so great within us that we can't help but share? Whether it be at a Christmas party, a family gathering, at work, talking to our neighbors. It doesn't matter, Lord. Give us opportunity to share the peace, to share the love. We thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.